Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Our second scripture reading this day, if you would like to follow along either in your pew Bible or in that nice nifty bulletin insert uh, Kathy has provided for you, comes to us from the gospel according to John, chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. Let us listen now to God's holy word. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am here with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved, if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to peel back the curtain one moment and give you a behind-the-scenes glimpse of why we read some of the Bible passages we read on Sunday morning. It's a fair question. Perhaps you're sitting out there and you're thinking, why are we reading this this day? Or perhaps you're thinking, why hasn't he ever covered my favorite passage? That, that, that too, is a fair question. The reason why we read a lot of the passages we do here on Sunday morning is because we follow what is called the Revised Common Lectionary. It's this three-year cycle, uh, creatively called years A, B, and C, that cover a significant portion of the Bible. The beauty, I think, of the Revised Common Lectionary is knowing that on any one Sunday, you and I are most likely meditating on a similar passage of Scripture that's being read at a church down the street or somewhere else across the country or somewhere else in the world. I think that's pretty cool. The downside of the Revised Common Lectionary is that we often find passages that are not read within their full context. It's like getting a puzzle only to find out that one piece of that puzzle is missing. Now, that's okay, I guess, because it is, you know, how they set it up, but it can be frustrating. So let's fill in the blanks this morning that are not included in our reading for today, because I think by the end, we will truly appreciate the new commandment Jesus gives to his disciples and gives to us. Oh, and if you're also curious, that thing about the puzzle and a missing piece, I don't know why you would buy it, but they actually do sell puzzles that you can buy that are missing a piece, purposefully. Why would you want to do that? You can do it, I guess, though. 
What's missing, though, in our reading for today is the larger literary context. That's the missing piece. The passage for today brings us back to the events of Holy Week. As the disciples gather around Jesus as they prepare to have this meal together with one another in these final days that lead up to Jesus ending up on the cross. As the passage for today brings us back to that time, we also find ourselves remembering that within this larger chapter of John 13, that Jesus knows who will betray him. Jesus knows that out of all the disciples who are gathered around him, Judas is going to be the one who goes and sells him out. And Jesus knows that even his most faithful disciple, Peter, the rock, the one who the church would be built on, will also betray him. Not in the same way as Judas, but Peter is going to deny who Jesus is. But even knowing all these things, Jesus proceeds to continue in his mission of modeling what true love looks like. Jesus proceeds in continuing in his mission to teach his followers until the very end. Teach them how it is they should live in community with one another. Jesus doesn't take the opportunity to stand up and make this grandiose speech that you see in some kind of law or criminal movie. Jesus doesn't stand up and point at Judas and say, I know what you are going to do. That would be an interesting retelling of the story, but Jesus doesn't get up and expose Judas. He doesn't expose the betrayal. He doesn't also lay into Peter for his betrayal. But what does Jesus do instead? Jesus has something else in mind. And I don't know about you, but if I were in Jesus' position and I knew what was going to come next, I think our natural inclination would be to try and stop it, to expose what was happening, to try and stop it, to create another outcome. But we aren't Jesus. And here we begin to see the lesson that leads to this new commandment. Jesus knows what's going to happen next. He knows that Judas is going to be the disciple who betrays him, but he still offers Judas a piece of bread. He still feeds Judas, welcomes him at the table. Jesus also knows, as we said before, that Peter will eventually betray him, will deny him, will deny knowing Jesus. Yet knowing all of this, Jesus is going to take time to answer Peter's questions. He's going to be that very patient parent who sits in the front of the car driving while the kids in the back say, where are we going? When, uh, when are we going to get there? Knowing all that, Jesus still is patient and listens to Peter. Why does Jesus do this? Why does Jesus extend this kind of grace? Perhaps when we fill in the missing pieces that we hear now in our reading, we will recall that at the beginning of this chapter, it is written, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. As it says in John 13, verse 1. Jesus 
All that Jesus could do was love the disciples until the very end. Love us until the very end. The only thing Jesus could do was to get up, lower himself as a servant or a slave, and wash the feet of his disciples, who were perfectly flawed, but also perfectly loved. With these pieces, we come to the new commandment. And what is the new commandment again? I would ask someone to call it out. I don't want to put you on the spot, though. But he says this, that I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's it? That's the new commandment? Where's the expectation Jesus has on the disciples to, you know, follow a strict adherence of practices, of beliefs? Where's the commandment that says you have to be this in order to be called a disciple of Christ? Who's the gatekeeper in this new commandment who monitors who is and isn't a disciple, who belongs and who doesn't belong? You're telling me that it's only by our acts of love people will come to know us as disciples of the living God? Perhaps there's another piece of the puzzle that we're missing. For indeed, Jesus might have just laid it out there plainly for us. Perhaps we're the ones who are missing something in this new commandment of what it means to love one another and to be known as disciples who show that kind of love to others. This new commandment that we hear this morning from Jesus is ever so relevant for us in our world today. As I just mentioned recently, the events that happened in Buffalo, in our own state of New York, Also, another event that happened Friday in New Jersey. Of course, we'll learn more in the coming days, but from what we can gather so far, such things that have happened this past weekend, we know came out of not a place of love, but a place of hate, a place of anger. Spider Robinson, this writer, once said this, that anger is always fear in disguise. Anger is always fear in disguise. Now, I don't think that's true for every instance of anger, but I do think that's true in many cases, in which when we do not follow the new commandment of love, what fills the void? Is it anger? Is it our fear of something we do not know? Something is missing still in our following of this new commandment Jesus gives to us. For we know that we do not always show love to one another. And there are people who profess to follow Jesus, but do not show love. And instead give in to this anger and fear, which leads to nothing but pain and suffering. 
As we hear these words of the new commandment that Jesus gives us, we do remember how we have a tendency to overcomplicate the process of becoming a disciple. The church has a history of telling people that they need to make these loyalty pledges, that they need to profess their faith to an unmoving set of confessions, and any misstep will result in you getting kicked out. I think you've even heard me tell the, the story of uh, how in our Presbyterian past, you used to have these communion tokens, right? And only if the minister and an elder deemed you worthy were you allowed to partake of communion on any given Sunday. We have a good track record of saying who is and isn't a disciple. We don't always have the best track record of living out this new commandment, which seems to take precedence over everything else. Because no amount of correct theology, no amount of moral purity would ever make us worthy of God's love. But here we are in this 13th chapter of John hearing Jesus say to us that that's all there is, is this commandment of love, even if we are not deserving of it. Jesus demonstrates what, what putting love into practice looks like and showing love to people who would fail him, people who would make mistakes. This is the larger picture, the larger puzzle that we are continuing to fill out in this ever-expanding love story of God. And what's great is I know I am not deserving of such love, just as I am sure that many, if not all of us, are not deserving of such love, yet it is freely given. And that's what makes it all the more meaningful as it allows us to grow deeper in our relationship with God and one another. So let us consider what piece or pieces are missing from the puzzle that reveals what it means to love God, to love our neighbors, to love ourselves. What's great is that even if we find our puzzle is missing a piece or two, Jesus helps to fill in the gap, to help fill in the missing section. So let us celebrate that we are able to worship and follow in the footsteps of our living God, who continues to proclaim an Easter message of new life, of resurrection, and proclaim a message that transcends our tendency to say who is and isn't worthy, who's in and who's out. Let us go and celebrate with joy that we are as imperfect and beloved people called still to be disciples, that we can be co-laborers with Christ in this work of welcome, this work of healing, and this work of love. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.